Welcome to The Scoop, brought to you by Indeed, your weekly dose of internal talent news from here and around the globe. So grab your popcorn and open your mind as I hand you over to our anchors from Tarpod, Lauren Sharp and Craig Watson. Hello and welcome to The Scoop. I'm Craig. And I'm Lauren. Massive week in news. Oh my God. God, wouldn't you want to be a fly on the wall in some companies today? Yeah, it's oh, dearie me, dearie, oh, dearie yeah. me. So yesterday the WGA published their numbers, but we're going to save those little tidbits to last. We will. What do you got for us first, Loz? Well, um, I'm just going to say last week was a bit of a hectic week. It was a bloody hectic week. Yeah, the future works by Indeed. Mm-hmm. How freaking good was that? Very good, and we'll be talking about that during the broadcast as well, so stay tuned. I just want to say to all of our friends at Indeed and to Laura Ford, the CEO over there, thank you so much for your support and what a freaking great event and well bloody done. But let's get on with the news. Let's. So I found this article in HR Director magazine Mm. and this was an interesting one, I thought, because we all – have this one coming into employment contracts and sometimes it's a bit of a contentious issue. And I am talking one in five employers are using non-compete clauses according to the ABS. Wow. So the report which determined the prevalence restraint clauses across the country found that 20.8% of Australian employers are using a non-complete and 31% of all employee jobs. Wow. Okay. According to the survey by the ABS, 68.2 are using a non-compete clause and apply them to 76 to 100% of their employees in top industries utilising them according financial insurance services, mm-hmm. uh, rental mm-hmm. hiring real estate, electricity, gas, water, administrative, uh, professional scientific and tech, which is my remit in tech services, et yeah, cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, the government's actually going to launch some sort of uh, – what we say, a paper or a public consultation into this in April because um, they believe that it is actually stifling uh, potential employee job turnaround because of the non-competes. So this is what they're doing it for. They're saying that the clauses are of conditions that prevent employees in working in a competitor or starting their own business, uh, uh, the growing interest in them and considering the potential impact on job mobility and recruitment for employers. This is a growing concern internationally that these clauses are increasingly restricting workers from shifting to better paying jobs and hampering business innovation and productivity. And I have to say I was would agree. And then I got into a conversation late last week with a few people yeah. in our industry over a few drinks, as one does, <laughs> and we were talking about it and the waterfall clauses, like going from 12 months, nine months, six yep, months, yep, three yep. months. And look, the consensus is the waterfall clauses we all know are fucking bullshit. Mm. Like the higher up you get, yep. more enforceable they are yep. because we're looking at some serious revenue moving with people with relationships. But in a normal old sales job or a recruitment job or those types of things, really the best you're going to get as an employer is a three-month enforceable. Yeah, it's a restraint of trade otherwise. And then there's still going to be a slight restraint on that, like they're going to turn around, which I know there was a case on this at a recruitment agency in the mid-2000s that they tried to pull this trick and what happened was the best they got out of their waterfall clause was three months. Yeah. And they had to say, right, will you name your top three? 
clients that this person dealt with and they can't deal with those people for those three months, Mm. those three clients, because you can't stop someone earning a living in their chosen profession. There's only three reasons for uh, non-compete clauses to – to protect IP, to protect clients or revenue, or to stop people from leaving. So it's it's clearly, you know, that that is clearly a reason for a lot of companies. Yeah. Hey, yeah. my first one is from the desk of the BBC. Oh, uh, um, well, do we need that BBC sound coming? We should. I might put, <laughs> put it over the top. <laughs> Firms must help menopausal women or risk being sued. Menopause symptoms can be considered a disability and employers face being sued if they do not make reasonable adjustments, a watchdog has said. So the Equality and Human Rights Commission in the UK issued the guidance to clarify legal legal obligations to workers going through menopause. Symptoms can include hot flushes, brain fog, and difficulty sleeping. The EHRC said bosses should offer changes such as providing rest areas or flexible hours to help, relaxing uniform policies to allow women to wear clothes that could be cooler, could also help. So we're, as you know, um, we're going to be having the world's menopausal expert, Dr. Louise Newsom, on the podcast very, very soon, and it's going to be must-listen stuff because this is gathering momentum all through the world. And so it fucking should be. Mm. It's really interesting, isn't it? That Look, I think, and well, I know that we've got a few podcasts coming up that are going to be uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really really interesting that um you know uh, and you've mentioned it before that the the menopause challenges are something that I've never ever really either a considered or b been involved or exposed mm. to let's say exposed to and the more I get into it the more I just I can't believe what uh people having to go through on a day-by-day basis. And the, we do in the it workplace. quietly. And in the workplace yeah. particularly, right? Um, anyway, but I don't want to go on too much because we're going to have a, a great podcast about it mm. in April and I'm really looking forward to that Now, one. I've got one around chat GPT. I read this on Woo. Saturday morning. So basically, chat GPT shat the bed. Oh, no. <laughs> the headline was not that, though. <laughs> it says, chat GPT has a meltdown and starts sending alarming messages to user. Users, So it was sending rambling responses of gibberish. Saturday morning, our time, the artificial intelligence tool appears to be answering queries with long nonsensical messages, (laughs) talking Spanglish without prompting, (laughs) as well as worrying users by suggesting that it is in the room with them. Do you think? The, it was that, a really interesting. The article was quite long, so but there is no <laughs> clear indication of why this issue has happened. I think it was on the piss, but it could have had a big <laughs> night, man. But its creator said that they were aware of the problem and monitoring the situation. So I went through Reddit and a few other things and found some of the stuff that it spewed out. It was. But for some of it, this is incredible. It found it appeared to be mixing Spanish words with English words <laughs> using Latin. Or seeming, because that's a that's a language that never died. Or seemingly making up words that appeared to be as if they were from another language, but did not actually make any sense. Others found that asking simple questions, is such as "What is a computer?", generated paragraphs upon paragraphs of nonsense, such as "This is gold." <laughs> It does this as the good work of the web of art for the country, a mouse of science, an easy draw of a sad few, and finally the global house of art just in one job in a total rest. Well, those of you worried about machine learning can sleep easy because it doesn't look like it's learnt much. (laughs) 
<laughs> but there were so many things that, it, like, one of them said something about, oh, what was the blah blah, a word of a song and blah blah blah, a particular line, and then it came, then it just came out and spewed pages and pages of sing happy happy, sing happy happy. Oh God! And I'm like, what the hell? It just shut the bed. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be the gift that keeps on giving. Chat GPT. <laughs> oh, I know. It's all on, all on. Uh, my next one is a. A short review of Indie Future Works that you talked about <gasps> earlier. And we were lucky enough to attend it last week in Melbourne. And there were some absolutely amazing speakers, not only speakers, but even guests, people who were there that we got to chat oh. to in the room. And the food was bloody good too. But um, some of the key stats. Glad to- you went to the key point there of <laughs> the food. <laughs> some of the key stats, though, to come out of the event were that um, most candidates rate level of salary as the most important factor mm. when looking for a new job. And what that means is if you are not advertising salary in ads you're giving not giving candidates what's important to them at the moment yeah and that's like yep evp whatever that is very important across the board but in these tough economic times we've said it before salary is the number one issue that people have the second issue that they said on that too was work-life balance which is something else that needs to be considered so employers out there or even talent leaders who are guiding their employers and hiring managers you need to um just direct them to this stat. This, these are important and real statistics. Mm. We also shared some more stats from Callum Pickering, who's the chief economist at I'm Indeed, and you loved him. Over him. Yeah, around the Australian employment. And there was, like, for instance, one of them was Australian employment by industry had healthcare and social assistance as growing fastest, followed by professional, scientific, and tech. And those receding or going backwards fastest are accommodation and food services, followed by agriculture, forestry, and fishing. So no one's yeah. fishing at the moment. Well, the problem in those things, as he also pointed out, they're going backwards not because the industry is going down, because they can't employ people. Mm. There's just not enough yep. people to employ. Right. I'll leave you with one last stat too that um, the fastest growing nations in the world by job postings, which are really interesting. Uh, number one was, this is from 2020 to 2024, number one is Malaysia, followed by Philippines, and then third globally is Australia. Wow. Yeah, and near the bottom of the global list are Belgium, Hong Kong, and UK. So, I, I've look, I have yeah, focused on- in a recession. I've focused a lot on what Callum said, but some of the other speakers, including um, Lauren, the panel, uh, it, was just, it was just an afternoon of- Easy to digest, but really important information, wasn't it? i got to say, indeed, you freaking well nailed it. Yeah, well done. Well bloody done. So my next article from the Fin Review. Now, oh, this was a long article, <laughs> but I, I just got a little bit of a snippet of this, and I suggest get on board and read this because there, this is an interesting one, and I'm going to be following it. The headline read, Sacked Executive 62 sues min, min resources for age discrimination. So Alexander Vincan, who is 62, who was executive general manager of min resources business Carbonart and later manager of subsidiary of CSI Mining, has launched federal court action alleging senior min res executive replaced him with a close friend after flagging he had to let him go because of his age. They, they actually said that to him? Oh, there's a... An alleged quote, I'll give you that in a minute. But this is not the first legal action for the same reason. There's also a legal action is a second by an ex-senior manager against Min Resources um, and follows former contracts manager Stephen Pigozzi's ongoing dismissal case for the same reason against the company. So basically... In a quick summary, they um, were changing it and blah, 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 moving on, and they said, oh, so you're doing a restructure. Oh, no, no, we're letting you go. 
Okay, none of it made sense. I mean, you've got to go in and read a bit more. Then five days later when he said, well, I don't want to retire, oh. I don't plan on retiring until I'm 67, um, they did a restructure, which I'm sick of companies using restructures mm-hmm. as a, a sense to get rid of people. So the CEO allegedly said, no, no, this is not a restructure. I just thought you'd want to go given your age. Oh, ouch, ouch. And I hope he's got – I mean – I hope they've got some evidence uh, apart from just a recalled conversation. I hope, oh, hope he's got the some The article emails. goes into something. a fair bit of more detail in the Fin Review. And I also found it in the Australian. So, peeps, go and have a look at that one because we have, like, I, it's just assuming someone wants to retire because they're in their 60s, don't mm. be an asshole. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Age is just a goddamn number. Mm. Mm. No, exactly. It's, um, I, I, <sighs> Yeah, people have got so much more to give and learn, and we've got an aging population. Just because you're in your fifties, sixties, and seventies doesn't mean you can't do the fucking job. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, my next um, article or item is almost like a little bit of a mishmash of your previous two. I'm going to talk about AI and discrimination. Oh, Um, fabulous! So, (laughs) workday. has been accused of AI discrimination against applicants. HR software giant Workday is facing a claim that it uses AI tools that discriminate against job applicants. Applicant Derek Mobley has filed a complaint to the federal court in San Francisco claiming he's been turned down for more than 100 jobs he has applied for using the Workday platform. The initial lawsuit filed by Mobley was dismissed last month by US District Judge who said it had not made clear how Workday procures employments for other companies. So Mobley's attempting to show that Workday has violated the US Civil Rights Act, which prohibits employment discrimination based on race, colour, religion, sex or national origin. However, he also must show that Workday is an employment agency to be covered by this act, which is really hard. But in his new complaint, Mobley says that by using the software platform, employers are handing over their authority to Workday to make hiring decisions. He's black, over 40 years old and has anxiety and depression. His complaint says because there are no guardrails to regulate Workday's conduct, the algorithm <laughs> that's, that's a, a hard word, word for you. The algorithm decision making tools it utilizes to screen out applicants provide a ready mechanism for discrimination. So what's important to understand is people who argue for AI and saying that well it's taking away any bias, it's learnt from somewhere. Of course. It's programmed by people. People yeah. have biases. Yes, that's it. So it's very, very interesting and um, another one of these watch this space, isn't it? Oh, I know. And now the highlight of my oh, wait, week. I want to introduce you on this one almost. Okay, go on. Because Why this is. drum roll? I know. Uh, Lauren is like a pig in shit this week. Oh, rolling it. Because finally the salary gender gap details have come out and been yes, released. So gee, I'm going to hand over to you because this is your baby. Oh, my God. I can talk for the next hour, everyone, <laughs> but I'm not going to. I'm just going to have a few pointers because I've spent – at least a whole day flying around the Wajia website. So, oh, looking up companies, looking up people who have sponsored us, looking up people who companies I hate (laughs) 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 to see if they're any good or not, all sorts of things. And it's um, actually been rather eye-opening. So the results show, and I'll just give you a little snippet, but I suggest get on the website and have a poke around. Yeah. And this is what I'm saying. I think there is – 
Well, Shortlist, they put out the top 10 recruitment agencies um, who have the biggest wage gap. And that was an eye-opener. We're talking around 50 60% in some of these companies on their base wages. And I've got to say, every company was allowed to have a right to reply by mm. Regia and add a comment. So that was good. But they all seem to have the same comments. Those are the big gap. Oh, we can't do a like for like because we've got more men than women in this particular role that pays more and blah, 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 blah. And they're just making the same old fucking excuses as always instead of saying, owning it. Yeah, yeah. we've got work to do. Yeah, we need to fix this. Yeah, That's the response, people. It's not, important. Yeah, own it. Yeah, own it. Say you're going to fix it. And if you're not, Give an asshole response. Mm. That's my thing. But if I'll give you a few little fun stats out of there. 30% of employers have a median gender pay gap between the target range of minus five and plus five. That's what they call, that's where you want to sit, somewhere in that number. 62% of median employer gender pay gaps are over 5% in favour of men. Right. That is a lot. Yeah, that's um, the And the rest, 8%, are less than minus five in favour of women. Across all employers, 50% have a gender pay gap over 9.1%. Wow. So, oh, gee. So I think there's going to be a lot of very hard conversations in companies at the moment. I mm. think there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of women asking those questions and asking to see that data. And you know what? They can ask, and I think they've got every right to have it shown to them. And if a company's not going to step up and own their bullshit, do you want to be working there? Well, you can even do that research yourself before you go for a job interview or apply, couldn't you now? If you went onto the Wajia website, say ABC company has has advertised a role that you like, Mm. you can go and see what their gender pay gap is and help you make a decision. Well, on the back of that, though, this afternoon, yesterday afternoon, um, HR Director Magazine also came out with some pretty good stats as well. Headline reading, half of Australian workers believe that greater pay transparency will create friction, and I hope it does. Mm. Because they've come out with almost three quarters, which being 73% of Australian employers recognise that regulation for higher transparency is long overdue. 84% of employers believe greater pay transparency is a positive thing for corporate culture. Mm. And I agree. Oh, yes, I agree. Uh, 65% said it will make salary negotiations easier which I also agree with that. And then 47% of workers believe it will lead to a greater friction between colleagues. And, yeah, it will. Mm. And you know what? It's time we had some tough conversations and got some of this out in the open because legislation came out late last year in the fact that you don't have to keep your salary private. They can't put it in a contract to say you can't discuss your salary with your fellow employees. That's mm. bullshit. You can now. You can say whatever the fuck you want, man. You can tell everyone. Yeah. So I think that that's a ma- an amazing thing to happen because I, I think it's overdue. Yeah, and I don't think that it'll stop here. I think that we'll find in over future years we'll be looking at pay gaps between races, between you know, for Indigenous Ethnicity people. Ethnicity will come for into it people eventually. people living with dis- disabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could even – And I also think be very that it's not going to be just 100 – or more. I think eventually they'll be going 50 people in a company or more. We'll have to start this reporting yeah. once they, in a, couple, in a few years' time. That's my prediction because I think once we get a handle on it at the top end, 
the smaller end's going to start having to be accountable as well. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to have trouble finding staff. Yeah. Smaller businesses and medium enterprises are not going to be able to do it if the big boys in town have a responsibility to report. Exactly right. So, look, if you're serious about your diversity and inclusion and equity particularly, these are the sorts of things you're just going to have to tick off properly and make sure you're over, the, over it and, and there is proper parity across your business for the same Well, if of- you're not doing it properly, you're a bloody moron for starters. And do you actually care about what we want mm. as people because we it's not just about women men are our allies we are talking about so much more and like the ASX 200 the gender pay gap data released from them is some of them are doing it right like super retail group uh, and they're the top of the list here um Fisher and Paykel are doing it Metcash West Farmers um a lot of these, Reese, they've got it right. A lot of these companies are actually getting it right. Mm. So it is a doable thing. Endeavour Group have got it right, and that's a bloody big company. Yeah. But I've got to say, when you look at the airlines. They're horrible. Yeah, they're terrible. But it's about time that this is addressed. And I have to say, well bloody done, Wajia. You've done an amazing job getting this out. You're starting conversations that are absolutely vital. Vital. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. And this will be a continuing story throughout the year and in future years as well, I'm sure of. Hey, should we go to events? Yes. People out there asking themselves the question, what are you going to do now that Tay-Tay's left our shores? <gasps> I suggest you shake it off and hit the meetup because we've got meetups coming out of our asses Tomorrow, we've got two meetups tomorrow, Auckland Recruitment Meetup, so jump on their website. Plus also tomorrow, Sydney Recruitment Meetup are doing Leap Into the Uncomfortable event, so jump on their website. And I know they just released some extra tickets. Uh, Melbourne Recruitment Meetup Social Event, which is going to be amazing because that means you, up. Yeah, that's what it is. March the 7th at Beer Deluxe in Fed Square, jump on their site. Sydney Talent Meetup has just announced redesigning your workplace through the shifting landscape of 2024. March 27 will be up there. Oh, I'm up there for that, not You're you. Going I'm going. To that I'm one. flying solo. Yeah. Is that a panel discussion? Uh, yes, I think it is. Oh, fabulous. I love and, a good panel. And then Adelaide Recruitment Meetup have an event on the 11th of April, and all three of us, Laura, myself, and Bonnie, are all going over there. Going to Adelaide, people. Go to Adelaide. Can't wait for that one. Oh, yeah. Watch out, Adelaide. <laughs> we are hitting the town. So all of our Adelaide listeners, prepare for a day off the next day. (laughs) (laughs) It's on. So also another big date that came out this year, which is freaking amazing. Our amazing friends over at ATC, uh, Trevor and Joe and Kevin have announced ATC 2024. We are 14th and 15th of October this year. So get it into the calendar, everyone. And this year it's in Melbourne. For the first time, isn't it? Is it the first time? Yeah. I thought like, when they released it a couple of days ago, I'm sure that's they said for the first time in Melbourne. Wow. That's awesome. It's going to be in Fed Square. It's so nice and central. We'll just jump off at Flinders street or get yep. a hotel in town and that is going to be a bloody great night amazing 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 night i've got to say and now also we've got the breakfasts coming up so benchmarks with steve guard and equity with nat flynn are doing a breakfast road show in road march show. i know I wonder if they're getting a bus or are they are they airlining it around i believe they'll be airlining or it perhaps a schedule. combi van oh wouldn't that be awesome <laughs> That'd be great. So what they're doing is celebrating and recognising the achievements of women 
for the whole entire month, not just a day for International Women's Day. So in March, they're holding breakfast sessions. So they're going to feed you and give you information, which is always a fun thing. So they're hitting every major city uh, for the Gender Equity Series. So Brisbane, 6th of March. So get in there next week. Perth, 7th of March. That's going to be a long drive in one day, so they're definitely flying. There must be. <laughs> Melbourne, 19th of March. Craig and I will be there, so we will see you. Woo. Sydney is the 20th of March and Radelaide is the 27th of March. Fabulous. Yep. That will be a must-attend. Oh, look, I think you're mad if you don't hit that one before work. It's beyond important. Yeah. Important conversations are being had and I think that – um. Yeah, it's about freaking time. And after a massive, massive week of news, that's oh. just about us f- done. So that's a big goodbye from me. And a good, big, big, big <laughs> goodbye with me. I've got to go and read some more Regina numbers, everyone. <laughs> bye bye.